I've been looking for a good time. I've been looking every day. I've been waiting for the sunshine. It's been coming my way. And oh, oh, oh. it's been coming my way. I've been dancing at a hold down. Love to chew the fat with folk I've been sipping on the moonshine I've been telling dirty jokes And oh, oh, oh It's been coming my way Hey guys, welcome back. This is Richard Sachs here on Lost Arts Radio, and this is our Sunday guest show, and we have the privilege of our friend returning, Joel Skousen, uh, editor of World Affairs Brief, and we're going to talk about some interesting stuff tonight. Uh, I want to start with a couple of things that were inspired by the conversation between Joel and Alex Jones yesterday. I mean, compared to when we're recording this, Alex's show was yesterday and a few days ago from the show. And we have some interesting places to go. This time is going to go real fast, so we'll make good use of it and welcome Joel. It's wonderful Thank to you. see you. I'm glad you're feeling healthy. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, okay, so from yesterday's conversation with Alex, was focused a lot on the whole Ukraine issue and that fitting into the bigger uh, world perspective with Russia and China and the U.S. and the deep state uh, broken into certain factions. Uh, one thing that didn't come up was I, I, I thought it would be nice to have some perspective on the role of the central banks that are controlling every one of these countries from a, a different perspective. And, um, you know, you don't you see that really high profile in the U.S. because the role of the Federal Reserve uh, especially under the surface is is a very controlling role uh controlling all the finances of the country basically issuing as much money as they want to out of nothing and there is a counterpart to that bank in russia and also in china and i don't know if we've talked before about how those three fit together or not uh, but why don't we start with the basics of the situation, why everybody's looking at Ukraine right now, why it's a big news story. Um, the criminal news media that we have in the U.S. are also making it a big story. But whoever is controlling Biden, which is probably a team, is having him say, well, um, minor attack wouldn't be too bad. We don't have to do anything about that. And what's the starting point? What's the situation we're sitting in right now? Well, I'm going to return to the bigger picture first that you introduced with, um, because there are some misconceptions among um, conservatives and libertarians. And uh, uh, one of them is that they're so focused on the globalist uh, as the boogeyman in the world, which they are, that they miss... uh, they unfortunately view anyone that the globalist is attacking must be a good guy. And even 
uh, Ron Paul falls into this category, doesn't view Russia and China as real enemies, which is very naive. Um, uh, you know, he views everything in terms of the globalists are provoking them and, uh, we shouldn't be, uh, you know, sticking a stick in the in the bear's eye, etc. And a lot of conservatives, because Russia was improperly blamed for the uh, the Trump Russia collusion type of thing, that Russia must be a good guy, and it's not true. Now, Russia has done a fair amount of exposing of the globalist uh, hypocrisy in fighting the war on terror, for example, in Syria, where they exposed the fact that the U.S. was, in fact, uh, helping ISIS sell their oil, et cetera, and, and saving ISIS from the, uh, from <clears throat> certain death in the defeat of ISIS. But that doesn't mean that Russia doesn't have its own agenda for taking down the West. But I want to clarify that. And the second thing I want to clarify is the notion that the big banks rule the world. This is not true. The big banks, like the deep state, are tools of the globalist conspiracy. This is not, as the left thinks, a capitalist conspiracy um, of greedy capitalism, of mercantile capitalism. Of, uh, it's a much larger conspiracy. It's a satanic conspiracy at its very roots. It goes back for centuries, and no single human being can create and maintain a conspiracy only Satan directed or, uh, you know, can do something that lasts centuries long. And in fact, there have been conspiracies all through the history of the world, starting with Cain making a pact with the devil to kill his brother that he might get gain. Um, so the point is, I want to realize that conservatives and libertarians should not fall into the leftist trap of seeing this is a, a monetary globalist banking conspiracy. Banking control and financial control through fiat money is one of the tools that globalists use to bring in, just as they use the tool of federal contracts to entice all the weapons manufacturers, the so-called military industrial complex, to come into a informal or formal relationship or conspiracy with government to continue warfare. It is not that the military-industrial complex is running this for greed purposes. They're part of a globalist conspiracy. And that doesn't mean that all of the people involved in the military are. Many of them are just enticed because of the huge profits involved, and their very survival depends on these government contracts. So it's very. we must be very clear not to um, blame straw men, uh, such as the bankers, or the, uh, or the wealthy or other thing, because they're wealthy. They're, it's the same thing with the Jews. There's a lot of Jews involved in the globalist conspiracy because being some of the best and bright, uh, brightest, that is not best, but be, uh, brightest people in the world, they're attracted to the halls of power. They feel it's their right to control. But it doesn't mean it's a, a Jewish conspiracy. It's not. It is a globalist conspiracy that attracts a lot of Jews, and they play prominent roles like Henry Kissinger, Big New Brzezinski, and other, uh, and, and George Soros. Uh, but it isn't a Jewish one per se. It has nothing to do with them being Jews, other than them being very bright, very evil, and therefore wanting to control the world, and therefore they're attracted to the halls of power. So, so, so 
you really have a, a chain of command coming from the dark powers that are not human at the top and then going down through all these levels of control. And I think the higher you get, the more they're aware that it's for the sake of evil and then down a little bit lower, it's for the sake of money and power. That's, that's exactly right, Richard. In other words, only the few at the very, very top have communication with Satan, revelatory communication where he directs their actions. Everyone else is controlled either by money or by enticement about power or about immunity. That's one of the biggest things that drives this conspiracy, the promise of immunity. Look at the Clintons. They're untouchable with crimes galore because they have immunity as part of the deep state. Yeah, And only when you do something so stupid that they can't cover for you do they allow you to be taken down. Uh, but look at Fauci, you know, and all of his billions that he's stashed away in foreign bank accounts and he gets away with murder uh, right. as part of the deep state. That is a really striking phenomenon that happens in so many different instances, not in only in this country, but all around. You see... People in the, in the alternative, so-called alternative media being really happy. Oh, this and this was exposed, but nothing happens. You know, well, it's it's just like the Jeffrey Epstein thing. Right. None of the higher higher ups who were involved in these sex scandals and these pedophilia scandals uh, with Jeffrey Epstein have been exposed. Um, or the judge, the judge said they didn't want to make a circus out of it, right? Yeah. And By exposing the real bad guys. And, and even when Ghislaine Maxwell released her John Doe's to say that I will no longer, you know, require that they be uh, protected, the names, the judge still won't act on it. The judge still won't re- let those names be revealed to the press. Uh, so, and of course, the judge is, uh, you know, James Comey's. Uh, daughter a part of the deep state so yeah those, you keep thinking you see the whole network and then you see a whole other level and it's oh wow you know it's way more than i thought now another aspect that deceives conservatives and i hear this all the time for people is that the globalists control russia and china and therefore it's just one big conspiracy and this isn't true at all they confuse the fact that the globalist are working to build these two enemies for their own purposes, for the purposes of creating World War III, the last war that's necessary to get all the world or the Western world into a new world order, a militarized new world order with taxing power and, and regulatory control. They, they confuse the fact that it's a one-way street, that the globalists are giving but you get into the inner circles of Russia and China, and they are not controlled in the least by those globalists. No, and but then, the same- then if you go ab- a level above that on the non-human world, it is unified. Well, it is, except for the fact that Satan plays these people, these three predator groups, Russia, China, and our own Nor- uh, Anglo-American globalists. He plays them against one another. Yeah, he pro- he promises each of them that they're going to win, but he only intends one to win. He right, promises each in the end the winning isn't real. At, at, at well, the that's end. right. You know, it's just like he promises them to help overthrow the kingdom of God and his system of justice in the universe that uh, he'll save them from the chains of hell. Yeah, it's going to be great. The book of Isaiah describes that in the 14th chapter about Satan himself descending into hell in chains and the, 
all the kings and the great men of the earth who are waiting in hell for him to come to save him. Sir, art thou brought low unto dust like unto us? You so know, the immunity shot. is not that great of a deal in the end, right? Well, it's not. In, in, there is no immunity in the end, but he promises them immunity. And once you get involved in the kinds of sins that a lot of people are involved in, they get involved with conspiracy and criminal activities. Yeah. They have no choice but to believe that they're, you know, other than repenting, they have no choice but to believe in the promises of immunity. And they see it happen all the time in the earthly immunity that the deep state is allowed to give to people. It seems to prove the validity of it, right? It does. It does. And But they're wanting to believe it because they don't want to repent. They don't want to change. They don't want to take the consequences. The consequences are prison and, and many and losing their wealth and power and position. They don't yeah. want to do that on earth. So they want to continue to help further the deep state cause. And the deep state people at the highest level want to further the cause of Satan. That's their only salvation without yeah. repenting. But well, you can see that same catch-22 situation on lower levels, too. And people, even in the general public, get into the habit of lying or doing some kind of crime, and then they feel like they can't get out of it because it's more yeah. convenient to, to keep yourself in the dark. And, yeah. and it's this big challenge that at any level that you are, a regular public person or high-level criminal, your real only chance is to acknowledge what you did and change. That's right. Now let's bring this down to the specifics of, of Russia and China. Right. Now, as I've said, as background to your listeners, I know they've heard this before when we talked about our conspiracy theory or series, but the, the fall of the Soviet Union was a carefully crafted deception. Uh, deception. Uh, the communists faked their own demise. Uh, the communists behind the scenes who chose uh, Brezhnev to run Piedistroika and, and, and the phony westernization of Russia, the softening of the communist hand. Uh, these people like Boris Berezovsky, who came out of the woodworks to become one of the oligarchs, as well as Guzinski and others, uh, these were the actual real communist powers in the oligarchy behind the Politburo. You know, we think of the Politburo as the one who is in charge, but it really wasn't. Uh, and, of course, the Politburo only came into being after Khrushchev, uh, Stalin and Khrushchev then were overthrown or died. And they decided that this would have a better impact upon the West to have a committee of benign bureaucrats running the Soviet Union rather than a strong man like Khrushchev or Stalin. Um, but in fact, a new strong man has emerged, uh, Vladimir Putin. He was chosen by Berezovsky and the original oligarchs to replace the incompetent Boris Yeltsin, um, who was a drunk and, and totally incompetent. But Putin himself pulled a coup and had Berezovsky killed in London, had Guzinski exiled to Israel and all the rest of the oligarchs jailed. And then he created his own system of oligarchs, the younger new oil barons and oligarchs and, and, uh, and wealthy who support Putin, who are owing their allegiance to Putin. He keeps them out of jail. And they have to share a portion of their wealth. It's, I've been told it ta he takes in about 4% of all of their illicit gains, and that makes Putin the most wealthy man in the world. 
the gold-plated palace in Sochi, home of the Olympic Games, was, in fact, a personal palace built by Putin with his own personal wealth. And so, as I point out in today's World Affairs Brief, the sanctions against Russia and the cronies of Putin is just a hollow sanction. If the West was really serious, they sanctioned Putin and all his bank accounts, uh, if they could find them. Uh, but in any case, there are three predator centers in the world, Russia and China, and the Anglo-American globalists. And Russia and China are temporarily allied to take down the the West, under the control of the globalists, they want to run their own version of the New World Order. But they fully intend to have to fight it out after the West is taken down. And, of course, Russia knows that China has the upper hand in that with the uh, huge potential armies that they have and, and now this technology that they've stolen from the West. And that's why Russia has stopped giving the latest military technology to China because they fear the ultimate confrontation that they'll have to go through. But as part of the phony fall of the Soviet Union and the rise of Putin as the new strongman in Russia, he is about to reestablish the Soviet Union, not under that same name, but by taking back all of the Soviet, former Soviet states. And Ukraine is first on that list. Hmm. It already has, of course, Belarus under his uh, thumb. But any and he did secretly control and probably still does secretly control many of the other former Soviet states. Uh, for example, Lech Walesa of Poland was a Russian agent while he was proclaiming to be a free market anti-Russian uh, labor union boss. Vaclav Havel, the famous you know poet of uh, and and freedom fighter of Czechoslovakia, was also found to be a Soviet agent. And so they planted these agents among these various countries, uh, like Angela Merkel, for example, who is a communist from East Germany. Um, and it's hard to tell the, who's being true to the globalism or whether or not they're secretly still aligned with Moscow. But nevertheless, the two presidents before Zelensky in Ukraine, Timoshenko and Poroshenko and, and Yanukovych, were all secret allies of, of Putin and, and the communists in, in Moscow. And that's why they never cleaned house in Ukraine. The same corrupt communist bureaucrats are still in existence in Ukraine, and they still exact bribes from the people in order to get things done. And that's why the Ukrainians are very, very skeptical of change. Although I am convinced that uh, Zelensky is not, is the first president who's not a puppet of Russia, and that's one of the reasons why Ukraine is in the crosshairs of Russia to be taken down because uh, Zelensky is really trying to, uh, to create an independent nation. Why do they want the other countries that are subtly under their control to come back into union with Russia, if that's the plan? Well, in the first place, they let them go because they actually wanted them to become part of NATO so that, in essence, you have Russian... Mm allies uh, spying on NATO operations. And so it's kind of a ruse. You know, the, the Western globalists disingenuously promised Putin that they wouldn't allow any of the, if he let all these countries go, that he wouldn't allow them into NATO. Right. And, and they broke the promise. And that's why a lot of conservatives think that Russia is the victim of the falseness of the globalists because they broke their promise and let 
Poland and Czechoslovakia and Hungary, et cetera, into, uh, you know, NATO. But you're saying they were letting Russian agents into the group by doing that. Yeah, but you've got to remember that the globalists uh, and the Russians are both playing a double double spy type of thing. I mean, the, the Russians are claiming that they don't want them into NATO, but they really do want them into NATO. The Russians are claiming that they are uh, the, the former Soviet states have now become part of NATO and a hostile threat, but they're not a threat at all to Russia. And the globalists are, are complaining about, um, you know, uh, Ukraine not being allowed into uh, to NATO, but, you know, there's just so much... Uh, double playing going on. For example, in the Maidan revolution, in uh, the so-called Orange Revolution, the Maidan uh, protest that went on in this square in Kiev, which established the the independence from the communist-controlled Yanukovych, it was actually a phony, uh, a phony victory. The Maidan protesters didn't really win. The only reason that they were allowed to win or have the appearance of winning is that President Yanukovych, the communist, told the Berkut to stay in their barracks and no longer surround the protesters and let them have free run of the palace and the legislative buildings and all the other communist-controlled buildings. So it appeared as if the Maidan revolution was a win. And the conservatives falsely think that the, um, you know, that the Western globalist had poured in a lot of money into Ukraine in order to get this, uh, uh, you know, Yanukovych uh, thrown out of office. And, of course, he had pretended like he had to flee. But who was he fleeing from? It's like the phony fall of the Soviet Union. Who are the five heads of defense, KGB, GRU, and other uh, things, fleeing from if they're the top heads of power in the former Soviet Union? Who did they flee from? It was a bogus uh, excuse, and, you know, the media should have seen through this. There's but so they, many yeah. levels to this that it could make you wonder, how do you finally know when you're at the deepest level and you're really seeing what's going on? Well, you really don't. Uh, it's very, very difficult to discern because these, these people, both the globalists and Russian and Chinese, are masters of deception. They all use false flag operations. They all use lying and cheating to get what they want. And so with that introduction, it brings us to the fact that Russia is about to take Ukraine back. And as I talked about in today's World Affairs Brief, diplomatic talks have come to a dead end. Uh, Russia and the Biden administration are now attacking each other verbally. Uh, Russia maintains that its troop buildup is defensive. I mean, how mm. could it be defensive? Is Ukraine going to attack Russia? It's clearly not defensive. Uh, Biden has called on all Western nations to unite against Russia's aggression. But Russia, but only Putin is dead serious about his threats to invade Ukraine. Everyone knows that the Biden administration is just posturing. Uh, to make political points and has no intention of actually going to war with Russia over this. Right. Ukraine isn't a member of NATO, so there's no treaty obligation for the U.S. to justify going to war, no matter how big the incursion. The U.S. is merely setting up an I told you so scenario where they can excuse their inaction because they warned NATO that this was going to happen. Well, the most important thing is that Ukraine is watching a huge buildup of military troops and equipment in Belarus 
which is directly to the north of Kiev, the capital. And the forces amassed there are large enough that Russia may be intending to go after the entire country, not just eastern Ukraine, as they were during the stealth invasion, mm-hmm. which started in 2014. But even though the U.S. has authorized $200 million in aid to Ukraine, most of that's being channeled through NATO countries, and it's insufficient to stop um, you know, the, uh, the Russian invasion. And there are hints that Russian attack is getting very close. For example, Russia is slowly reducing the staff in members of its embassy in Kiev and sending all of their family members home to Russia. They're also closing various consulates around uh, Ukraine. And that's a pretty good indication that they want them out of the country when they start an invasion. Uh, but Joe Biden has actually said that you, sending U.S. combat troops to Ukraine to fight a war with Russia is completely off the table. Even though they have some special forces already rotating in and out of the country, they'll make sure that all of those are out of the country so that they have no troops to protect. As to, to give them the excuse that they have no vested interest in interfering in this. Right. Once you assure that Russia, you assure Russia that the U.S. isn't going to confront it directly with its aggression. You telegraph the same message that Britain gave to Hitler. We protest what you're doing, but we won't stop you. They did that when he took Czechoslovakia and Austria. Right. And... Um, they're claiming, of course, that these weapons, which is like anti-tank tank, uh, missiles, javelin missiles or stinger missiles against aircraft, will help Ukraine stay in the fight against a much larger power. But staying in the fight a little longer won't change the outcome. That's why the U.S. isn't providing offensive weapons, such as short and intermediate missile batteries, which could really do damage to these high concentrations of Russian troops. So the, the intent is to let Russia invade and maybe, as you say, take back Ukraine. So if, if that's what Biden seem, is saying, and it seems to be leading in that direction, who is um, telling Biden what to say and what's the strategy for that? Well, you know, normally we have a, a single primary globalist handler of every president. Nixon, you know, had um, Henry Kissinger, who was running. In fact, they kept Nixon on mood-altering drugs and kind of out of it so that Henry Kissinger could have the excuse to keep running almost anything in the Nixon administration. Zbigniew um, Brzezinski was uh, Jimmy Carter's national security advisor. Condoleezza Rice, a uh, globalist, was George W. Bush's uh, handler, although his real controller was uh, Dick Cheney in the vice mm. president's office, yeah. who expanded his uh, staff to over 600 people. He had people in every f- agency of government controlling everything from the vice president's office. It feels like a team this time, though, rather than a single individual. That's exactly right. And and nobody knows everybody involved. I don't even know. Uh, they keep well behind the wall of secrecy. But there's a whole team, probably at least a dozen people that are controlling President Biden, um, who, of course, is a puppet. In his far-ranging, strange interview where he just let loose for two hours with the press, uh, mm-hmm. he was just shocked uh, you know, with the idea that half of Americans felt that he was no longer competent. He said, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> I mean, 
That's almost a proof of dementia and Alzheimer's is the fact that he he can't or at least admit or see that he's having mental problems. That's right. And the mainstream media says he he just likes to talk slow sometimes, but he's fine. (laughs) But I I was wondering about this team. It seems like it's kind of important in the overall understanding of the current situation to know what this team has in mind and why and where they're going, even though we don't know who's the full membership of the team at this point. Well, and it's hard to know how much of the team are simply party Democratic hacks who are pursuing the Democratic radical agenda and how many are actual globalists who know the bigger picture. Now, when it comes to foreign policy incursions about China and Russia, you're going to be dealing with actual globalists who have to know that the big picture involves not confronting Russia and China until they're ready to attack the West in uh, in a coordinated nuclear attack against U.S. military targets. It is my estimate that Russia and China both are going to go fairly simultaneously and start wars, Russia and Ukraine and China in Taiwan, early this year. China will wait till after the Olympics. But they want to make sure that uh, the U.S. has two big brush fires to put out. Right. So the U.S. will have an excuse to basically back off and say we can't handle a two-front war with Russia and China. Especially with the program to um, weaken the military, which has been going on for a while now, right? Well, that's right. And that's going to come back to bite us uh, big time. It's interesting that I was um, reading one of SLA Marshall's book. He's one of the top military war correspondents during the World War II and World War in, in the Korean War. And he was talking about uh, some of the fighting against the Chinese during the Korean War and how not only was our military sabotaged by being under UN control, whereby a Russian general was had to be privy to all of our major military operations, which he immediately telegraphed to China, but that our own use of our troops mixed in with other international troops was just a disaster waiting to happen. For example, you would usually have in a platoon, you'd have four or five North, uh, South Korean soldiers, Republic of Korea. Mm-hmm. You'd have some Ethiopians. You'd have some people from India. You'd have all kinds of international people who didn't always speak English. Can you imagine going out on patrol and being in a firefight and not being able to understand English commands from uh, you know, the lieutenant or whoever's running the operation. It's like some kind of a strange comedy movie or something. I mean. And it got even worse because the U.S. had a policy of rotating people out of the combat zones every 15 days and replacing them with new recruits who were drafted for the Korean War. So no one would know what was happening. So no one knew, had an experience. They were always dealing with everybody who was nearly green. Uh, except a few of the officers who weren't combat, you know, out there in the front lines of combat. And even Republic of Korea soldiers would refuse to carry dead GIs back out of the lines, which was their policy to recover the dead, mm-hmm. because of superstition, they weren't allowed to touch a dead person. And, uh, you know, oftentimes the, the Koreans now, I, I want to say that the, the South Korean troops now are top-notch. They're really highly trained. But in those days... 
you took fresh recruits, drafted them out of Korea, and they just wouldn't fight. They just, you know, what do you do? You just shoot them all because they won't move. They were just like children. It was just an incredibly difficult situation in Korea. It was just um, a, a massive mess. Of uh, It's a wonder that we even went up to a stalemate. You know, frankly, there were for overwhelming weapons and material and new fresh people that the U.S. military could throw into the battle. Whereas the Chinese, for example, those Chinese soldiers were there for the, the duration. They never rotated. The mm. They were experienced. They were so stealthy they could crawl up on American positions and be within 10 feet of their, at nighttime attacks, be within 10 feet of their bunkers without even them knowing it. So it was very, very difficult war to fight. But we've got a different situation now. We've got highly trained troops in the military that is being decimated by political correctness, by, Mm -hmm. you know, interjecting gays and lesbians and transgenders among them and women in combat roles. Uh, And so it's driving a lot of good people out, not to mention the vaccine mandates. Right. I view this as a blessing in disguise because the, the good people are being driven out of the military. It's no longer being viewed as it should never have been viewed as a benevolent organization that was trying to defend American interests. It's really mm-hmm. defending globalist interests. They aren't out there in Iraq and Afghanistan defending the United States against terror, which we created. They're out there defending globalist interests. So the sooner the good people get out of the military, the better, because when this war comes and Russia and China unleash a nuclear preemptive strike on military targets, they're going to be wiped out. And so if you love your loved ones, get them out of the military. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, people trying to think of whether the military is a good or a bad force is a tool, you know, and in the past it's been a really highly developed tool in the U.S. and some other places, but it depends whose hands the tool is in, right? If it's a great tool and it's used for criminal activity, that's not as good. And that's been you know, and unfortunately, most of our military people are unaware. They're just told to follow orders. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, there's some very good people in the special forces that are highly trained, but they don't realize that the people they're sent out to kill, uh, you know, are for globalist purposes and aren't necessarily bad people. Yeah, th- this thing of following orders is a real central part of the whole program, the psychology that... That's the best thing to do is just follow orders. So unquestionably, from the superior that's above you, follow orders. And it's not just in the military at this point. It's all through society, you know. And, and for the globalists to achieve their plan, it seems like they've got to have this whole majority world society that has the mentality to just follow orders. Well, and that's what the COVID thing is all about, is getting people to be like sheep, to wear a mask when you're told to wear a mask, to social distance, to close down your restaurants when you're told to close down, right. to go get vaccinated, to shun the unvaccinated. It's just a massive wave of propaganda. And it's very, very sad to see about 80 percent Americans uh, complying with this. Yeah, just think if that mentality were reversed and people questioned things. And yes. and checked if they were valid. I mean, I don't think the globalists could destroy the world so easily in that situation. Well, going back to the Ukraine situation, the latest Russian deployment of massing troops in Belarus just north of Kiev indicates to me that they're intending to do a pincers movement that is coming 
from below the south of Sebastopol and invading about two-thirds of the country uh, and coming down from Belarus into Kiev and cutting off the country from the rest of Europe. In other words, it doesn't look... Mm. This is very different from the two years ago when they were doing the stealth invasion of eastern Ukraine where they only had troops on the east. Now they've got troops on three sides of Ukraine, which indicates I think they're going to try to take the whole nation and do a pincers movement that will actually cut off uh, Ukraine from the rest of, uh, of Europe. Um, and the transfer of Russian military to Belarus for the joint exercise is potentially could just add more troops to what they've got there for that invasion pincer movement. What what about, you know, you, you brought up this point that a lot of um, good media people who, who are sincere um, are bringing up the idea that this seems defensive on the part of Russia because there are Western military assets have been moved up right on Russia's border for quite a while, and that's increasing. And they're saying it's similar to Russia moving assets into northern Mexico. You know, No, it isn't. Uh similar at all. If Russia were doing it defensively, they would put troops right up against where NATO troops are in Mm -hmm. the border situation. But what does putting troops against Ukraine have to do with U.S. troops along uh, the NATO border? You see what I'm saying? Because that's not even necessarily to do with Ukraine at all. It could be in different parts of the Russian border that are not Ukraine. What I'm saying, the, the, Russia is not putting any defensive troops up against NATO troops anywhere along the border. They're only putting up against Ukraine. See, there's no Russian troops bordering the former Baltic states, Estonia, Latvia, and uh, uh, et cetera. You know, there's no troops backed up there where there are NATO troops. So that's because Russia is not worried about attack from those places, right? Well, but there are no NATO troops in Ukraine. So you see, it just doesn't right. wash okay. that, this is, that this is defensive. It just doesn't wash. This is clearly offensive. And why Ukraine? Because Ukraine is the breadbasket of the former Soviet Union. That's where most of the wheat and crops yeah. are grown. It's also yeah. the former manufacturer of many of Russia's largest ICBMs. And they'd like to refurbish those factories uh, and bring them into production again. Right. So one of the biggest. Go ahead. I'm sorry. One of the biggest threats now is the talk about Russia sending in missiles to Cuba and Venezuela. Yeah, I just heard that, yeah. Well, it appears that Russia is also preparing for another Cuban missile crisis. There are three stories coming out of Russia's Pravda news agency this week promulgating this nuclear blackmail scenario. The first story talked about three Russian warships on a secret mission to Cuba, hinting that they might contain missiles to be used against the U.S. The second story carried the hypothetical threat, further reporting that U.S. surveillance aircraft were monitoring and overflying Cuba and Venezuela looking for missile sites. And the third story was about a Russian missile sub surfacing off the U.S. coast. Suspiciously, Pravda didn't specify which coast, and this indicates that Russia is purposely flexing its military capabilities against the U.S. to claim that this is what's going to threaten you if you intervene intervene with our taking back of Ukraine. But it's just a bluff. None of this except the presence of a Russian 
nuclear sub is a possible threat or deterrent in the near term, as it would take years to install nuclear missiles in Cuba or Venezuela. Mm, And Russian Russian subs are regularly patrolling off the East Coast. So this is nothing new that a sub surfaced, except that it surfaced, which was done on purpose in order to make a news story that this is what we can do to threaten you. It wouldn't surprise me if all of this talk about missiles in Latin America was not just a hint about future retaliation. If the U.S. intervened now in Ukraine, but Russia's real intent is to actually install missiles in the Americas prior to launching their preemptive nuclear strike against U.S. military forces. So it's more of a long-term project. That's right. So it, it, the reason it's a bluff is because there's no way if this ship was secret cargo, and who would know it was secret, you know? Ships are coming and going yeah. from Russia to Cuba and Venezuela all the time. So it looks to me like the story is planted just to shake the confidence of the American people that we better not tangle with Russia in Ukraine yeah. because they could potentially nuke us. Well, Russia is not going to go to nuclear war over Ukraine, and the U.S. is not going to attack Russia and precipitate a nuclear war because they want to be able to blame Russia and China for the nuclear preemptive strike. They don't want to precipitate it themselves. Right, and and the whole thing is evidenced by putting somebody like Biden into office, right, to, to show that the U.S. can't do anything no matter what. Yes, yes, that's right. And, you know, it goes to the, the thinking of conservatives. I hear this all the time, that Russia controls everything. I mean, that China controls everything in the U.S. because they bought off Hunter Biden and Joe Biden with all their dealings with China. Oh, yeah. But this isn't true at all. The, the the Bidens are globalist puppets 100%. And the globalists don't mind if the Chinese think they've got a link to Biden or a hold on Biden. Uh, they don't mind if Bidens take money from China. Uh, they'd love to fool China into thinking that they've got a hold on the Bidens to make them overconfident, but they don't. The Bidens are purely 100% puppets of the globalists. Right. So the current strategy is... How long do they want to let the U.S. appear to be completely incompetent, weak, and incapable of defending itself? Yeah, and that's part of the globalist point of view is to help induce Russia and China to do this nuclear strike on America. They first of all have to have to have a trigger event, but they also want to maintain the perception, and I'm not sure Russia and China are buying it, that the U.S. is militarily weakened. Because Russia and China are really not so much worried about troops, which they know they can nuke in their bases. They're worried about the secret weapon systems that the U.S. is, is doing. And You're talking about space-based weapons, for example. Especially about space-based weapons. And that's why Russia and China are both really working on their anti-satellite capabilities so they can try to take out. But, you know, there's thousands of satellites up there now, so yeah, it's very difficult to take them all down. How does the situation at the U.S. border play into this, where uh, ground invasion is literally happening and it's flooding the U.S. with people from outside? Yeah, but it's not a ground invasion of China or Russia in terms of an invasion. Uh, it's simply a democratic voting invasion. Uh, right. No, most of the people to... coming in are not bad people. They're just desperate. 
Well, there are some bad people coming. There's a lot of drug drug people and drug smugglers coming across the border. Right, right. but aren't they? Most of the people a, coming across are coming across for economic depression region, and I would say a large percentage of them go to work and become honest workers. And in fact, almost everything in the construction industry in the United States is done by Latinos now who came across right. illegally. It used to be that. Uh, African Americans used to be most of the labor in the South, and they aren't anymore. I've done projects in the South where all the labor forces are Latinos, right? Former illegal aliens. Yeah, most of them very good too. Yes, and most of them are very, very good workers and things. But uh, and, and in fact, a larger percentage of those Latinos are voting Republican now because yeah. they're making good money. They want to keep their money. They don't want to have high taxes or high inflation. It's hurting them as well. And they're turning against the Democrats, not in large enough numbers to make a difference. But certainly the refugees that we're bringing in from Syria and other Muslim countries are never going to vote Republican. Right, right. And uh, all these elements that I'm trying to get at how they fit together, because worldwide now there's an orchestrated movement not so much in China and places like that, but in the Western countries to get people used to tyranny for the excuse of COVID and start annihilating people with the injection as well. So how do you put those disparate pieces together with that going on at the same time as the international, you know, threats of war? Well, we've got to remember that the building of these two enemies, Russia and China has been going on for decades we gave Russia the, uh, the first shipment of uranium because they didn't know how to enrich uranium so they could explode a nuclear weapon a year after Hiroshima. We gave them the rest of the plans that they couldn't steal from the Manhattan Project. That was through Lend-Lease. And, uh, of course, Russia gave the nuclear plans to, to China to make it a nuclear power. We brought Mao Zedong to power through George Catlin Marshall cutting off aid to Chiang Kai-shek and in the same way, uh, you know, we're going to uh, betray Taiwan and let China take it back. We're not going to go to war over Taiwan. And it's it's it's, it's very, very sad. Uh, and Hong, Kong, it, Hong uh, Kong is pretty much gone at this point, right? Yeah, they don't have to invade Hong Kong. They already control it, uh, et cetera. But going to COVID, the, the, and this caught me by surprise. I didn't see this coming. I don't know of anybody who saw uh, them using COVID to really destroy the American economy, um, to create hyperinflation, to create uh, an atmosphere for this great reset, the globalist thing. But I think one of the largest agendas of the COVID thing is to get people used to living under emergency orders. Because when it comes to World War III, that's when real martial law comes, when there's real emergency orders. Uh, In fact, the government will lose control for a period of time because the war will start with an EMP strike and will take down the grid, which could last up to a year. And that means there'll be massive social unrest in the United States and the government loses control. The benefit of what happens in World War Three and all of the. uh, The social unrest that happens with the lack of electricity for a year. Is that. I don't think the world will ever knit back together the same. I mean, when you have all over the West, uh, people at each other's throat, stealing and pillaging and trying to make do without food production and without transportation, 
there's going to be so much hatred and disconsent and a vengeance mentality between people that it's going to be very easy to see the scriptural reference about Satan raging in the hearts of men take place. This will stop the AI and robotic agenda cold. It's a way to get decentralization quite quickly, right? Well, decentralization is never the goal for the globalists. They always want centralization. No, that's why I said it. I mean, for people that are saying decentralization would be good. No, that's correct, because people will have to seek out protection in locally rural areas where these mobs of people in the big cities don't have rule or, or order. And there'll be a very, very divided society. But I don't ever see society knitting back together and becoming a AI robotic uh, smooth running society because AI and robotics can't operate except with a hundred percent electricity, reliable electricity and a lot of peaceful conditions and the internet and computers. That's right. And the internet and computers. So anybody who's in Bitcoin is going to lose their shirt when the CMP strike comes and the, and the grid doesn't come back up. In fact, you won't even be able to have access to your own bank accounts which are now done mostly electronically, even deposits in a bank are done electronically. So it's a whole other subject to talk about for a few hours. You know, it's the form of of money that is going to be useful because people with Bitcoin and and the other uh, cryptocurrencies that are not as decentralized as Bitcoin, they're totally dependent on the Internet and, and the power grid. And the some of the people who realize that say, well, silver and gold, but there used to be problems with carrying around silver and gold for everyday transactions, mainly that you get kidnapped and killed. And you have this little, you know, bag of silver on your belt, and that's an excuse to be killed a lot of times. And I'm not sure what well, the, 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 the larger problem. The larger problem is that people don't know how to tell, and it's very difficult to tell whether the coin is legitimate or a gold coin is just gold-plated lead. Exactly. It's very difficult to tell. People have don't have the sophistication anymore. Uh, I have a brother who gives off silver dollars as tips uh, when he goes traveling in larger cities, and more and more often he's finding people don't recognize what they are. Yeah. So, so it's going it's to be very difficult to get back into circulation silver and gold among ignorant people. And that's why greenbacks will actually be king when this war starts. Because people recognize it as long as the greenbacks last. And the government won't be printing any for a while. So so that'll take care of hyperinflation when the printing yeah. stops. There'll be no hyperinflation or anything. But, but the prices will rise because of shortages. So that that's part of the inflation by itself without the printing. That's correct. It will be because of shortages. Um, the price of things will go up. Right that's now you've why- got both... Both factors operating together, massive printing and c- shutting down the supply chains with COVID. That's right. But going back to the COVID narrative, this is a, uh, a virus that mutates constantly is the perfect vehicle for keeping people under constant fear. And you can make up almost anything. And of course, the vaccine is the real bioweapon. It's really mm-hmm. dangerous. It's really poisoning people and creating myocarditis and pericarditis and uh, and the establishment with even uh, over a million damages in the bears reports, which is only about one fortieth of the actual damage going are in complete denial, even though about 
19% of those died within 24 hours of taking the vaccine. Of the 9,000 deaths in the United States, about another 20% died within 48 hours and another 30% died within, you know, 60 hours of the vaccine. And yet the establishment says there's no relationship between the bears reporting and the vaccine. Well, it also class- classifies all those guys as unvaccinated because it was less than two weeks that they died. In. Oh, that's right. That's right. This, you know, it doesn't paint a very optimistic picture of the coming period, right? That we're no, and I don't want to paint an optimistic picture. I'm because I know that if people have the least little bit of hope that a Trump is going to save them, they won't prepare. Because okay. we, you know, yeah. preparing is expensive. It requires a lot of effort. They've got to forego a lot of pleasurable activities in order to get prepared. And people will pick at anything to any glimmer of hope to keep from having to prepare fully for what's coming. One of, the pro- one of the problems with people who are telling everybody how to prepare, um, like, you know, Mike Adams has done a lot of great shows on preparations and things. But many of these people assume that everybody's got the money to prepare. And that's an issue because the majority, I think, right now are so stressed for money or they're totally dependent on where they are to get their benefits or their, you know, aspects of their job. What, I mean, have you looked at this, what the demographics of the people in America, for example, which is a relatively rich country at the moment, how many of them have the the resources to do anything? Well, only a tiny few do, and those that do, and I've dealt with a number of those people who have nearly unlimited wealth, their problem is they can afford the best and the most expensive systems, but they won't take the time to learn to repair them. And in uh-huh. when when the stuff hits the fan, <clears throat> they're not going to be able to call a person to repair. There's going to be nobody available. And you won't be able to get spare parts. So you've got to stockpile parts in advance. You've got to know your manuals. You've got to know how to troubleshoot and repair things. And people who are wealthy, used to having other people and hiring everything and doing it for them, they just can't do that. They refuse to. Uh, they're, they're too busy using their wealth to relax as well as prepare. But they, they're very resistant to learning how to repair. They, they really want to depend even to the extent of offering people to come and stay with them or live with them if they'll help them repair things. But it's just not going to be that easy. You're saying they're not doing that? They're not hiring people to live with them to be the skilled people who take well, care some, of them? Well, some are, but you see, how can you induce them during good times to come you know, and do that yeah. when people have their own ideas? And in a crisis, a lot of those people won't be able to make it to this so-called retreat or they bring their relatives and then you've got too many people to deal with. So it uh, sounds like you're saying a very tiny percentage of people are in a position to really prepare adequately for what's... Well, th- that's right. Uh, but even they are vulnerable because of their refusal to learn how to fix what they do. And, and that, that applies to even people of lower category who get a solar system. There's just no substitute for doing your own work, for building your own safe room, and for learning all the systems and knowing how to repair them and having spares so that if something goes bad that you can plug and play and replace it. I mean, I don't expect people to learn the technical electronics to fix an inverter, but 
you know, sometimes you have to have a spare inverter to put on the wall or spare batteries and things to replace it. So if, so if one person, especially this late in the game, is not going to be able to learn every, you know, vital skill, you it it says there's got to be some kind of cooperation. Well, not necessarily. I mean, I've learned all the skills in my 75 years, so I can do everything. I've become a jack of all trades, uh, but I started very young and I picked up welding and auto mechanics and appliance repair and woodworking and uh, all of those things. Instead of watching television, I've been learning, you know, how to do things. And fortunately, with the Internet, you can learn almost anything. That's uh, true. Quite easily. But people just won't put in the time, I found. That's one thing that YouTube does not censor is educational videos and skills and things like that. Yeah, because it's not controversial. It's not a threat. But, you know, you talk about the time is getting late, and it really is. For example, I, with my book, Strategic Relocation, I consult all the time with people who want to relocate, and they complain that now the prices are so high because COVID has driven so many people out of the blue states into the good states Right, that the prices have risen and almost doubled uh, in in the good places like Utah and Idaho. Pro- property places, prices. Yeah, property and housing prices. Okay. And in the rural areas, there was very little inventory of available houses, and now there's almost none. none. And what land is available doesn't come with water. And, you know, in the far west, it's difficult to grow unless you have, you can't grow without irrigation water. It's not right. like the east. Drilling is expensive. What I'm saying is the time is already too late almost without paying a much higher price. So, you know, war hasn't even come yet. But COVID has caused a real catastrophe for those willing to uh, and and wanting to relocate with the inflation of prices. Right. So for everybody that is kind of learning from the strategic awareness that you're laying out, and we're almost out of time here, but the bottom line always is, for most of the listeners, is there any kind of advice of what to do if you don't have a lot of money and resources? Well, you just have to do the best that you can um, with what you have. Um, and it's too complex of a subject to go into, but, uh, um, you know, it's amazing how much money people spend, though, even who are limited in finance on I mean, food, look at the prices now. You go to the grocery store and it's hard to come out without a bill that's 50 to $100, even for a few bags of groceries. So right. I, I understand the, the problem, but, um, you know, each person has to work that out for themselves. Uh, at least, you know, you need to develop some relationship with people outside the cities so that you have a place to go to, yeah. even if with friends or relatives. Um, because it's in the big cities when it melts down and when there's war and EMP strikes that uh, you don't want to be in the big cities. Yeah. And unfortunately, the jobs keep people tied to the cities, but eventually those jobs are going away and you're going to want to say, where do I go from here? Well, you've got to have a backup plan already in place. Right. So when you say it's too much, too complex of an issue to go into at the moment, which, which one of those issues are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about everyone from a renter who doesn't even own a house to people who don't have money or they don't have a house big enough and they can't afford to move. I mean, there's a a million different scenarios that are impossible to talk specifically about how they would work. And there aren't solutions. That's the problem. 
There are no good solutions if you don't have any money because right. it takes money to prepare. Yeah, and it becomes clear why money has been used as a control system yes. for the society for a long time. And why it's being stolen from us through 12% inflation, which is what we're dealing with right now. At the moment, yeah. 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 I, I, I'm just frustrated that we can't end on a more positive note, but I, I think that... Um, your point that if you're ending on a negative note, at least there's some kind of an incentive for people to reevaluate what they're doing right now and what could be improved. Well, you know, what I like to say to people about the fact that I'm very negative about the future is if you think it's hard now, you think about trying to do it in an EMP strike without electricity, without being able to purchase anything right. on the Internet. And you look back on the day when Joel Skousen was advising about how difficult it was. Says, if I'd done it then, I could have at least done something. So maybe the message is change your perspective. Realize you're living in, the, relatively speaking, that you're living in the good old days now. And this is when it's relatively easy to do things. Well, the good old days are gone. These are the in-between years where it's getting tougher and tougher. And believe me. It's never going to get better ever. So deal with it now rather than wait. The longer you wait, the less opportunities there's going to be. I want to scare the living daylights out of people that things are not going to get better and that you don't, you don't improve things by waiting to, to act. You need to act now what? as things continue to deteriorate. Do you see a new civilization being built? No, I don't think we'll ever recover once World War III starts. Interesting. So, get but I do think there would be increased polarization, and that only in rural areas will you be able to have any semblance of some type of freedom from. Uh, and it won't be complete freedom by any means, but um, you know, it's only where in, in the in the big cities where tyranny concentrates, and when you have your highest concentration of troops and police. Another thing to enforce their will, you don't have that in rural areas, and it's easier to hide. And it's going to be a matter of hiding and getting out of civilization, getting out of the establishment. The sooner you prepare to do that, the sooner you prepare to retrain to be more independent in your income, the easier it's going to be. Right. Okay. Well, we, we got to go, and we need to let you go. But um, it definitely gives a stark picture. And maybe what would be interesting if you have time at some point to come back after the Ukraine thing unfolds and see what it looks like relative to now. Okay. So hold on. We'll say goodbye in the break here, Joel. So there goes Joel Skousen, editor-in-chief of World Affairs Brief and consultant on strategic relocation and secure homes and uh, intentional communities, a lot of stuff like that, military, ex-military pilot, all kinds of interesting connections within the power structure. And um, definitely a black pill message. I mean, probably the most in that direction that I remember us doing for a long time. And he might be right. I don't know. Um, I, I try to be really clear on what what I feel like is happening and what I absolutely know by direct experience. And even what you know by experience can change when your awareness gets deeper to the next level. So you just take it as information. But I think that Joel's got a lot of really unique um, sources 
and reliability. He's been right about a lot of things and his insight in geopolitical developments like what's happening in Ukraine is, is really good to pay attention to. And, and I, you know, what I can add to that is that personally, I've, I've had some interaction with different levels within the power structure and, uh, some levels above what would normally be considered accessible. And I see a lot of what he's saying is accurate. I don't feel, um, discouraged in the long run because on a, a spiritual level, I feel like we're, we're going to end up fine. But my objection is, um, what we have to go through in the meantime, I, I, I'm still really interested in looking for ways to avoid having to go through complete torture, you know, in the process of wherever we're going in the end. In the end, again, I feel like the, the place we're going to end up is, is good. I mean, beyond good. But what's happening in the world right now even without looking at any dark future, is not nice. You know, the people that are being killed by the uh, what Solenko says is the poison death shot and the financial distress that's being exacerbated on purpose by the hyperinflation that's tied into the, uh, you know, the response to the fake pandemic, which is a real bioweapon, but the response is geared to use that as an excuse for intentional destruction. And I'm still looking at ways that people can uh, help to change the course of the future. So I I don't feel like giving up on that at this point. Um, Still, it comes down to, all right, what, what are you talking about for making things better in the future and avoiding total disaster versus okay, very nice theory, now do it, you know, demonstrate what what are you going to show that actually averts the planned catastrophes. And that's a kind of a frustration that I've, I've got personally in that I have all the sense of things that are deep principles of things that are known, but it doesn't matter, you know, philosophy and belief systems and things don't make the changes that need to be made that that's got to be an inner reconnection to where we came from and i think the answer is um you know if we get if we all get saved from the situation great i don't mind at all but in the meantime what we can do um from our side looks to me like a consciousness issue and that's not um just some kind of new age belief to make yourself feel good. And, you know, that the, the scene of sitting around sitting, singing Kumbaya and things while the world gets blown up and there's these nuclear explosions going off. That's not what I'm advocating. You know, I want to see the bridge between belief and demonstrated 3d reality. So that's what we're working on. And I, there's no guarantee that that's going to be accomplished in time. But what I, that's the only place I see that the ultimate reversal of direction could occur. There, we're, I think we're walking around with unknown potential and power for good 
connection to the original healing force that we came from, that all all conscious um, entity that people call God, that's the orig- origin of unconditional love. I think we're connected to that. We're not insignificant 3D beings that just have no power to do anything. And I think keeping us unconscious of the reality of what we really are is the highest priority of the negative power structure. So I trust them very much, and I think they don't hide something like that unless it's really important. So to me, since I want a certain mitigation of the future and in a positive direction, I'm seeing you as a person walking around out there with unbelievable power to change the course of history, not by just voting or just having a demonstration or just saying, well, I believe such and such and being a member of the right group. I think I'm not against any of that stuff. It's per se. It's just that what needs to be connected to is, is uh, it's subtle. It's internal. It, it can't even be perceived without getting quiet in yourself. And that's a lot easier to do if you take care of your physical body, reclaim your health as much as you can, you know, which, which again, the power structure tries to block by making us dependent on a, a fake healthcare system that feeds you poison chemicals called medicine and cuts out parts of your body and says that's the way to really get healthy. It's so absurd that the fact that we don't, realize it en masse is just wow are we that far gone and even if we are which in many ways seems to be the case there's no rule that it has to take a long time to reverse course so that's the kind of thing we're working on in planetary healing club so you can join us there or you can do it in some other way do it on your own do it with friends but i think um I agree with Joel's last point that, or maybe he only said that to the the club members, but he, he said working on yourself is indispensable, you know, being willing to stop blaming everybody else and situations and what's going on in the world for everything and not taking action yourself. And the main action to take on which all the outer action depends is an assessment of where you are getting your health together and getting your uh, clarity and your thought and your emotional state together. All those things are the foundation for doing your real internal work. Otherwise, it remains just on the level of philosophy and belief that doesn't go anywhere. It has to be actual internal change. Um, But that's possible, and I don't think it has to take too long to do it. So... Find my advice, and I'm just one person, but my advice would be stop. You know, find some time to get quiet in yourself and do an assessment of where you are physical health, mental clarity, emotional state, the mantra that you're carrying around that's in the back of your mind that's telling you things that are controlling how everything looks to you. Everybody's doing that, but they're almost all unconscious. So become conscious of yours and decide if you want to change them. And that's just the beginning. You know, 
what you have to change into is who you already are. It just has to become conscious. And it's not a personality ego thing at all. It's way deeper. You're much more than that. So it's getting, you know, late enough in this chapter of the game that we really need to do that um, now. (laughs) And the reason we have to do it now is because we want the best outcome for the future of ourselves and our kids and all the other people that is still possible. And I'm saying it's not too late to make a change that way. So find a way to do it or join us on planetaryhealingclub.com. And uh, if you don't like it, you don't have to stay. I mean, there's no commitment at all. It's just the best efforts that we've got to making a deep internal change right now and having the physical uh, necessary physical changes that go with it so it's all in one piece. That's my response to what Joel says, and I think we still have a chance. But what you do is the key, not somebody else. It's all on you. And it's not asking you to um, make some unpleasant, horrible change. It's a change into what actually feels better. So the funny thing is that there's nothing there to worry about nothing to be afraid of it's nothing to really resist because it's the willingness to break your pattern break the hypnosis um stop identifying with just this limited costume that you're wearing at the moment or the mental patterns you're carrying around that stuff none of that stuff is who you are and it doesn't require beliefs it requires internal change and there are ways to do that so anyway, we're out of time. We got to go, but um, stay in touch and um, go to lostartsradio.com. Uh, Joel's websites, I should for sure say those. Um, joelskousen.com, S-K-O-U-S-E-N, joelskousen.com, and worldaffairsbrief.com is his publication. And I think he's still got the offer going that if you email him at joel at worldaffairs, or editor at worldaffairsbrief.com, you can get a free copy and see what it's like without spending any money. And our shows are accessed through lostartsradio.com slash live. You can see where all the different networks are are that we're on video or some of them are just audio. And as they change and some get censored and others start up, you can stay in touch there. And if you have resources and you want to help us stay on the air, since we don't do commercials, um, there's a donate button on lostartsradio.com. And also a um, subscribe star link. And they both work. They both help us greatly. And if you have questions about what we do or about the club or about our projects that are waiting to go for funding, uh, you can contact me anytime, richard at lostartsradio.com. I think that's about it. So thanks for being with us. Um, Don't be discouraged, I would say. But realize your time is valuable. Use it well. Stay in touch, and we'll talk to you soon. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program, offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you 
can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows, except the banned ones, are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month, where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. I've been looking for a good time I've been looking every day 
I've been waiting for the sunshine It's been coming my way And oh, oh, oh It's been coming my way I've been dancing at a hold down Love to chew the fat with folk been sipping on the moonshine I've been telling dirty jokes and oh, oh, oh it's been coming my There's no way that I can lose 